I think that at the end of the day, the, the, the mission of the church is the formation of people. Um, you know, discipleship would be the biblical word, right? Mm -hmm. And um, teaching people how to become the kind of people that God wants them to be. Um, and so that would be you know, teaching people how to be in relationship with God, teaching people how to have a healthy soul, teaching people how to be in relationship with others. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, back to uh, part two of our conversation here with Research and Culture. I'm here with uh, David McDowell, the one and the only. Hey Come guys, on, staying six feet apart. Headphones, pro speaker, I mean pro <laughs> microphone. The only one who actually knows what he's doing in this this whole stinking thing. Uh, we got Micah uh, representing Home City Church. We got Steve Shank representing um, Buffalo Vineyard. And uh, we're going to uh, continue our conversation. Uh, we last left off talking about how people are feeling uh, in our communities. And so if you're, if you're a, a part of any of these three churches, we're hoping that, you know, this, we're not, we're not trying to act like we're the authorities around this conversation, but hopefully this can kind of help, um, you know, create conversation in your own heart and mind uh, with other people that you, you'd be able to kind of, um, take this and kind of just think through some of the th thoughts that we've been thinking about. Some of these are side conversations. I know me and Micah have definitely have, me and Steve have had just about this whole situation. And so uh, now we kind of left it off on uh, David's question, which was, uh, so now what? <laughs> Where do we go from now? Where do we go from here? I get all that. I am a believer. I love Jesus. I trust Jesus. So what do we do now? Because it is a new world. And so there's this article that my wife sent me by the BBC, which I, I, I really wanted to kind of frame a little bit of our conversation, right? Um, and I sent this to Steve. Uh, this is the first uh, part of the article, and I'm just going to read it. And uh, I would love for you guys to kind of just let your, your brains kind of go from, from here and, you know, uh, what are you thinking? And, and kind of just like, uh, yeah, uh, whoever kind of feels like, yeah, I, I see the same thing as we kind of frame this, this conversation now, what do we do? It says, um, uh, a few years ago, uh, Michael Melchalko, a former U.S. Army officer, came up with a fascinating idea to sharpen creativity. He called it assumption reversal. You take the core notion in any context, subject, discipline, and then you turn them on their head. So suppose you have your own, uh, uh, so suppose you are thinking of starting a restaurant. The first assumption, uh, what happened? Where did you guys go? We're still You're here. good. I'm here. Okay. Keep Can going. you guys see me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. I see what happened. My, my Zoom. Okay. I see what happened. You're, You're still recording out. too. Am I still recording? I'm sorry. Technical difficulties. All right. So, all right. Uh, let me finish reading. Okay. Uh, so, suppose you're thinking of starting a restaurant. The first assumption might be restaurants have menus. Uh, the assumption you uh, the assumption you might uh, oh is it uh, restaurants have menus. The reversal would be restaurants have no menus. This provokes the idea of a chef informing each customer what he thought about that day at market, allowing them to select a customized dish. The point is not that this will turn out to be a workable scheme, but that by disrupting conventional thought patterns, it might lead to new associations and ideas. Or to take a different example, suppose you are considering a new taxi company. The first assumption might be taxi com companies own cars. The reversal would be taxi companies own no cars. 20 years ago, that might be that might have sounded crazy. Today, the largest taxi company that has ever existed doesn't own cars, Ubers. Now we're living through a disruption of unprecedented scale. So what does that look like, I guess, for us as we're thinking about this idea of what next for us to do assumption reversals about all of this, right? Like, what does it look like for the church? What are the questions that we can ask, right, that, that maybe we're not asking that would maybe uh, help us to to better think about what does it look like to reach a world post coronavirus. Well, so at the risk of being a little snarky, uh, I'll point out that your assumption is that the coronavirus will change everything, and we could start by 
the reversal. The coronavirus will change nothing. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. How's that? I, just, I disagree with that, but let's go with it. I'm just being, I'm just being a little, uh, little cantankerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So I, 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 I do think that obviously we should, we should move forward in light of what we're experiencing, and it should change some things. But I mean, this is where I'm not just being snarky. Um, you know, it's what we were talking about uh, before that, like as much as these are strange times for us who are living through them, not only are these not strange times for the church, this is like not even a blip on radar screen for the church. Like the church has been living through stuff like this for 2000 years. Um, I mean, the, 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 the first yeah. generation of the church, you know, if you, you read the history of the plagues that ha- that hit Ro- the Roman Empire and the Christian, the, the church grew because Christians were responding so well to the plagues. They were taking care of their neighbors. They were loving each other well. And the pagans were like, what the heck's wrong with these Christians? Why aren't they afraid of the plague? And that actually led to growth in the church in the first and second centuries. Um, so again, like yeah. th- th- this, this, I'm not saying that this shouldn't change anything, but I'm also saying that maybe maybe it changes less than we think um mm. I, have, I have more thoughts though that that are that are actually in the other direction but i'll let somebody else respond first i i'm gonna ask david to respond i don't i don't want, you know i want you to say something david the smart guy with the green ears come on that's right yeah well let me just uh let me just pull out this factoid um I see if if it's a move towards like, you know, if the assumptions like churches have buildings and then like the reversal is like churches don't have buildings. Uh, I mean, I'd be interested in that if it's if it's the assumption that it's like, uh, you know, churches are, you know, a church service is held in person and it's like a church service is held online. I think I hate that. I think. I, I just don't want to go to church online. I, you know, I know Elijah's talked about church home and how they stream everything and all this production. And it's like, I think, I think there's a lot of things lost when you go that route. I don't, so I don't know where like the intersection between like, uh, holding up some of those roots that are in the Christian tradition while kind of modernizing and futurizing some of the stuff. I don't know where that intersection is. All I know is like something inside my heart thinks that, you know, moving towards digital and Zoom call prayers and stuff like that just sounds gross to me. Mm. Yeah. Can I ask uh, why? It, it. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I could throw around the millennial word uh, authentic or whatever, but for. <laughs> <laughs> is that a millennial word? <laughs> I don't know what it is. It, don't worry. Gen Z doesn't care about that. So it'll well, die out with your generation. Well, so it listen, like, you know, you guys are like, okay, so where does, you know, but Gen Z is like, Gen Z doesn't know how to be human, let alone, you know, what the church is, right? But no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God, tired. David, how old are you? I, I'm, I'm in between millennial and Gen Z. So I, no, 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 no. I just was curious how old you have to be before you can look down your nose at those. I'm not, listen, I'm not looking that. I'm not looking down at them. I'm being honest. Like Dave, they, you're, David, you're 24. And you're like kids these kid, days. No, it's, listen, it's not even. It's not even that. It's, it's not even. It's, it's like a get off my lawn. But I know there's 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 like gonna be real like emotional and like relational backlash from how this generation grows up. And who's gonna have to deal with that? It's gonna be my generation. Right. You know? We'll all be dead. You'll all be dead. You guys get to sail right on through. You don't have to worry about this. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, this hurts. Where did this conversation I'll be uh, I'll be like, hey Elijah, you're gonna be squeaking in your wheelchair. <laughs> yes. Don't you speak that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> you'll be like, you'll be like, remember a dirty dancing? Like, I don't know what that is. That a TikTok dance? Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, I see, it's... I see a third installment of this uh, series in our future. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, this so this is what I think. Like I went when just asking that question. Um, I I think you're right, uh, Steve. I think that. Um, this is not anything that the church has ever, um, you know, uh, faced and, and, and was like lobbed, you know, 
lopsided or, or, you know, wasn't able to handle it. Like we know church history obviously tells us that. But I think there is an assumption which I don't agree with, right, about that, the, that things don't actually dramatically change. Because the, just even saying that the church grew <laughs> by a lot after those things, that is dramatic change. That shifts a culture, that shifts an environment, the way people kind of think about uh, those Jesus followers over there, right? And I think that there's these moments that happen in history, whether it's post-World War One or World War II, 9-11, the way that people thought about faith when we have these moments in history, because this is a moment in history. This isn't like the regular flu. We will always look back this at this oh, yeah. moment. People will study this. They're, people don't study yeah. last year's, like, you know, uh, it won't be in the history books that last year 16,000 people died of the flu, right? But yeah. people will forever study. If, if, the, if the coronavirus stopped right here, right now, and in the United States, over 4,000 people died, right? Like, this will be in our history books going forward. So I think that the assumption that there isn't, and I'm not saying that you're making that or anybody here is making that, but the assumption that there isn't great change is, is, uh, is I, I just don't, I don't agree with that. The second thing is that who's to say that things haven't been changing anyways, you know what I'm saying? And my thought, when even when I, when I kind of put these, these ideas in my mind is that what I think coronavirus is, is going to do, and this is just me, right? Um, is that I think it's going to speed up the change that we were already facing as the church, as we were trying to discover what does the church look like in this day and time in the West, specifically in the West, because that's where we do ministry. What does it look like to reach people in the West? Right. Uh, and, and so like, for me, like, I think this, this speeds up that conversation. The reason why I like church home, what they're doing, or maybe that's, maybe like is a little bit too strong, but I've, I've wrestled with <laughs> some of that stuff. Right. Um, David is because I think that they're at least asking the questions and they're trying to answer them as opposed to some of us, which are just okay with doing it, you know, the way that we've always done it. And then, 10 years later, we're wondering well, what's going on. And so like, I don't know, that's where I'm at. I don't know if anybody else wants to chime in, chime in on that. That's where I'm, that's where I'm kind of thinking. So, I mean, for at least, yeah, I think, go ahead. I, for, for me, if, if there's going to be a move, I think the move should be uh, backwards instead of forwards, like picking up some of the, the things that we've actually forgotten that the church does really well, that they've done really well. Like, like, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the spiritual disciplines and like that's been our repertoire. But like, do people actually do those like those things and like the Sabbath and some of the like the core parts of the church? I think I think to go forward is to go backwards in a lot of ways. And I'm not saying you don't go forward at all, but I think I think forward should start by going backwards before you head in the opposite direction. And we. Can we ever go backwards? I think that that is a good conversation that I think some sociologists and I think so I, I agree with you in terms of like here's some here's what is always gonna be true, right? Um yeah. which is we have like our 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 doctrine, orthodoxy, like those things are not shaken. And I think Steve, you 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 love this conversation about the vessel trap. And I think this is where this can can get stuck right here right is because yeah. like i don't think i think part of the reason why some of these some churches are dying or have plateaued and now they're decreasing is because they are trying to go back they're trying to relive something that has moved past is moved past that that time period right and so like i i do think like that is I, I think like we have to be careful when we say like when we become nostalgic about a time that will never be again, right? Like you know what I'm saying. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some like amazing principles and things that we can learn from and bring. I don't know. So like let me let me let me. Pass. I don't want to hog the mic here. I know that I'm sounding, uh, you know, uh, con like a contrarian to everything that everybody's saying here. But like that's just my thoughts. You know, it is the devil's advocate on everything today. <laughs> My goodness. No, uh, no. So I, I guess I have a couple of things. I, um, I'll, I'll try to do it real, real quick here. But I, I think that that 
there's a reason why po no politician wins with the message of we need to go back, right? Like yeah. there, there's just something about, you know, uh, if, if you look at, and this is being apolitical, but if you look at like the conservative side of the element in their name is conservative, the messaging can never be, we need to go back to, it's just not effective. It's about trying to, to get those principles established into where we're at today. And so it has to be a vision sure. forward uh, 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 vision. It has to be a, a forward focused vision. Um, and so I get, I think the point of what David's saying is like, oh, we have to get back to these core basic principles, but it's almost like we can't get back to that. We have to, okay, how do we fit, how do we reprioritize these core basic principles in what we're doing today? It has to be like a future, a future vision um, to kind of uh, uh, look into, because like your point of the sociology of it, it's just people will not want to go backwards. There's just so much with going backwards that's negative. Um, and we see that play out, I think, on the political spectrum, just simply on like a messaging level. Going back to what you, what you got, what, what you said originally to kind of kick it off, though, I think I would delineate between, um, you know, how does this upset or how does this change what we're doing into two separate categories? Uh, one is uh, what do we do on an individual level? And then what do we do? The other one would be what do we do on a church system or structure or operational level? And I think that's where you're going to see change or disruption in a positive sense. You're going to see adjustments adjustments made. Um, and I think you're kind of seeing that play out now and then going into the future. I mean, we can simply just look at social media. If we just take that, look at the difference as far as where people are getting news, how people are having conversations, where they're having conversations, how they're getting together, all of that. The difference that social media has made has forced the church to jump into the social media sphere. And now start to discover, okay, what what can we use this tool for? So I think that's a that's that's a, a valid and a really important conversation to have. And I think the church, if we're praying now, I talked about I think on the last podcast of the 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 wave. If we can find that wave of what God's doing and get on board with that, be the forefront on that, um, and not just respond to what's going on and what businesses are doing, but let's think through that now. Let's explore now. Be on the forefront of that then the church can start leading way in society. And like we did in the first century where it was tangible, you know, taking care of people, we can start meeting people tangibly where they're at, which may happen to be a social media for, social media platform. Then on the second level the, the is the individual level. Like what does that specifically look like? And I think I would go in contrary to your point of the opposite taking place. Maybe that's a really complicated way of saying it, but essentially I would say it stays the same. Like as far as you're asking, we're asking the question, what do we do now? Okay, so we shouldn't be afraid. And what do we as individuals do now? It's really, I've been approaching this as it's really the same thing. Like I'm looking at this as a huge opportunity because it's a way that we can convey and hopefully get believers and congregants and, and Jesus followers to, 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 to increase or to finally do what we've all supposed to been doing the whole time which going back to the last podcast, if we're supposed to be seeing and evaluating what we're reverencing yeah. or prioritizing what God is doing, well, that's what we were supposed to be doing the whole time. So now people are actually searching for what to do. Now I'm looking at this as an opportunity to hit home. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. You're like, we have a window now where we can hit home some of this stuff. So that was long winded, but yeah. No, no, I think, I think that's really good. Cause you frame, you, you, I think you frame some of the conversation. So yeah, I, I think, we, we understand, and if it's not been understood, and I think you did a really good job of that, Micah, of like, uh, and actually you too, David, of, of saying like, okay, here's, here's, here's what we know, strip it, uh, strip it down to its bones. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? It's to love God and love others. And mm -hmm. so like, that's not going to change. And like, we need to make sure that like, like this is, that's not gonna change. Obviously, I think it's the approach now. What is the approach going to be and uh me and steve me and you have had this conversation over and over again that the approach of how we communicate that how we display that has always like there's always been and in different places different cultures right they do that in different ways right the way that we uh communicate love on people uh, seems different right so if you're in, in the middle east you might greet someone with the holy kiss you do that here in America, they'll might be like, "Hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's happening?" Right? Like, depends and so, where we are. Like, that's that's different, right? And to invite someone into your home means something more than just saying, "Hey, come over and grab a couple of steaks." So, like, how do we engage? And so, like, I, Steve, I want to throw this question over to you 
But I, I, I also want you, if you, if you don't mind, just on the front end of that, if you could explain uh, the uh, uh, vessel trap, because I think like I threw out something that I know yeah. some of our audience might not really understand, and you always explain it really well, and then maybe just like go from there. Yeah, sure. So um, it's it's interesting. I'm, I actually want to start with a brief, a brief story. It's I think it's from one of Jim Collins's books, um, but he he talks about a um, basically a CEO inherited a, a drill bit manufacturing company from his father. And the, the board was kind of like skeptical of this young kid coming in and taking over the company. And um, he ended up having this long conversation with the board where um, they were talking about the direction of the company. And he made the comment to the board of this company that the world doesn't need holes, or I'm sorry, the world doesn't need drill bits. And everybody was like really upset and kind of offended because they're a drill bit manufacturing company. <laughs> responded by saying the world doesn't need drill bits, the world needs holes. And it ended up being kind of the shift in the direction of the company. Um, and they ended up being on the forefront of inventing laser drilling technology and, and bringing wow. out the industry, right? And so wow. I think wow. the idea of like looking backward and looking forward, it's like, okay, what do we do? Well, we like, we put people put holes in stuff. That's what we do. And yeah. if we, we sell drill bits, we're actually missing the point because people don't need drill bits, they need holes. Mm -hmm. So that's both looking back at who we are and what we're about, but also moving forward into new times. And I think that, that that's, that's what we want. And I think, uh, so, so that gets at that, you know, you were, you're asking about or, or talking, referencing the vessel trap and within our faith as Christians, we, so we believe in the gospel. We believe in the person of Jesus, but then we always have to put flesh on that. Like, okay, well, what does it look like for me to follow Jesus as a 21st century, you know, American living in on the West side of Buffalo? Well, like it means that I show up to church like this, or I, you know, go out and, and interact with my neighbors like that. Right. There's all these cultural patterns that are kind of connected to that because, you know, as you were pointing out, love looks like something to my neighbors that's very different than it might look like to, you know, a 15th century Chinese person or whatever. And so then the trap becomes that you have, uh, as Dallas Willard says it, he's the one that kind of articulated this, you have the culture that's the vessel and the gospel that's the treasure inside the vessel. Paul talks about having, um, you know, having a treasure inside of jars of clay. So you can think about, you know, the, the metaphor would be you got a, a million dollars in a, a five gallon plastic bucket, you know what I mean? And and the gospel is the million dollars and our culture is the bucket or we're the bucket. And the trap is that we get so invested in the bucket or in the vessel that we lose sight of the treasure that's inside of it. And, yeah. and so again, we're like constantly trying to get people to do things the way we do things when that's not the point. Yeah. And you see that actually on the pages of the new Testament specifically in um, I mean, this, this is actually the major issue, the major ethical issue of the new Testament is navigating the vessel trap, right? So you have all of these Jewish people who have come to faith in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. We want to follow him. And we're all Jewish. We're all the same culture. We're all the same faith. We all follow Jesus together. And then all of a sudden, something really crazy happened. Non-Jewish people started following Jesus and it threw the entire church into an uproar because it's like, well, wait a minute, Jesus is Jewish. We're all Jewish. If you want to follow our Messiah, you need to become Jewish. And half the church was like, no, they don't. They could be whoever they want and follow Jesus. And the other half of the church was saying, no, you got to become a Jew if you want to follow a Jewish Messiah. And the church had to fight over it and argue over it. And ultimately, the church decided you don't have to be a Jew to follow Jesus. You just have to follow Jesus because God actually wants this treasure deposited in every single vessel on earth. Yeah. And and that's his goal. And so then, so, so they successfully navigated that trap, not without, you know, pain and, and heartache, but they were able to, to see, oh, the treasure is the treasure. The gospel is the gospel, not whether you're circumcised or not, or what kind of food mm -hmm. you eat. And right. but we continue to have to wrestle with that trap throughout all of, of church history. You know, and again, whether you could talk about debates over how you baptize or debates over what kind of music is appropriate in church or all, all of those kinds of yeah. debates end up being how do we navigate the vessel trap? Is the issue that we worship Jesus or is the issue that we worship Jesus like this? Is the issue that we love our neighbors or is the issue that we love our neighbors like this? And I think that's, so I don't know, did, did I do a good job? Does that work? Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. And I think, man, the, like that goes to, again, I think this 
why I, I love that disruption aspect of like, you know, saying like, because I think what it's saying is, oh, okay, the most important thing is if we, if we kind of frame the question the same way, the most important thing is the treasure. So like if the culture says that it, it communicates best this way, right? If it's saying that this is the way that it receives love best, right? Like, so even though it might make us uncomfortable and I get where you're coming from, David, and I want, I want to go back and forth with you here for a second, you know, you right here in this corner right here, you know what I'm saying? The Brady, but no, uh, like, I get, <laughs> everybody's got like, we're all on different parts of this thing. Um, but like, I think like, I get that. I feel that tension inside of me, right? Like of like, man, there's something about, you know, um, like being in a, a space where it's not, you know, we don't have smokes and lights but it's just, you know, it's, it feels real, you know what I mean? Like somebody on acoustic guitar and a cajon and you know what I mean? And then like somebody comes and preaches the gospel and we're all there together, whatever. That's, that would be me. Right. Um, but I, I think the reason why like I have this, I'm, I keep wrestling with like church home because I think like they're, they're saying, man, if the most important thing is Jesus and we're finding that one out of every three, I think the last time it, it checked, like are, are getting married, because they come on, you know, by, by going online, like this is the way people have conversations today, right? Um, find their spouse online. One out of every three person finds their spouse online. Um, or, you know, if, if people are literally, they can't go up and say, hi, my name is Elijah. Would you be my friend? They have to go on things like hinge, you know what I'm saying? To just find a friend, right? That's, like or or apps like Meetup, you know what I'm saying? Like this is this is the new conversation, and we have a whole generation that that's all they're going to know, right? You know, saying like that's that's and that was a problem with like this 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 other uh, group before us, right? These millennials came because we were all thinking like, hey, we're gonna do what we did back before these millennials came on scene, and we had this whole church growth thing. And I think part of the the the, the deconstructing of things even like larger churches going into uh, uh, campuses, if you think about that, they're deconstructing the large church model, right? They're saying, how can we make this big venue smaller, you know? And it, during this time, what we've seen is more house churches have started to pop back up. They've always been there. I'm not saying this is a new idea, but what you see like is becoming more and more popular. And what I'm saying is that there is new, there is uh, there's a conversation that's being had, and my fear is that we're going to miss out on it. So, what would you have to say about that, David? As, well, I, I <laughs> I'm not saying you disagree. By the way, I'm, no. I, let me not let me not push that on you. I'm I'm sorry. My goodness. Let me let me let I'm me say that agree. again. Let, let me say it again. So, what do you have to say about that, David? Well, so, uh, so that's, that's less aggressive, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. There was much <laughs> Gen X finger wagging in that one. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think you're Gen X, are you? No, 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 no. I mean that Mike. I, what, what are we like, Mike? What are we like? I've heard we're two millennial. Things. We're millennial. millennial. We've. I've heard millennial, but I've also heard micro, which is that between that millennial. Oh, uh, he just and, wants to be different. So I've heard. Yeah, I think I've we're because millennial starts in '82, I think. Or I mean, okay, well, different. Yeah, there were millennials, but yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Yale gave me that one. Yeah, if you're listening, you told me I was. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come so, on, Yale. Up your game. I'm, I'm just, I'm just listening to what she is way wiser and smarter than me, so I just listen to anything that Gail says. So yeah, well, wow. as you should. In fact, we should have her on here. I don't even know why you yeah. guys are on here. <laughs> no, next, next one, we're gonna get Gail on. Here. Yeah, she should come to the next one. Um, well, well, so to go to your, back to your question, is is this the question that we want to answer with our time here, or do we want to talk about the practical implications? No, no, you're on the spotlight. We 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 still have time. no. You know, well, so I just I, I just want to know. Two dollars. <laughs> what was the question? Give it to me in one sentence. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I said a lot of things, man. You did say a lot I, of I things. Said, I, I said a lot of things too. No, I guess I'm just going back to that that vessel trap. I, I was like just kind of pushing back on what you were like you know like there's this desire right to like go back to something that is more authentic and can we do more authentic in in a way that maybe speaks more to the culture now and if the culture is saying that we do that more online like as unsatisfying is that do we care more about like the treasure or the vessel 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, of course, I'm not going to disagree with you on the vessel trap, but when we're talking about, when we're talking, <laughs> you're setting me up. When we're talking about, uh, like, whether or not. Like fake news interview right now. Yeah. Exactly yeah. what I want you to say. You know? What do I, are these strings behind me? Um, no. So when we talk about, okay, like, so if, if we're talking about, like, oh, we're going to put our church online and that's how we're going to reach people for Jesus. Sure, that can be effective. But is what people need, like, to stare at their screens more? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't think the the conclusion or the answer to the question of, like, do people, uh, like, well, okay, so if you're talking about how they encounter Jesus, then it doesn't matter where they encounter him. They can encounter him online for all I care. That would be beautiful. I would love that. That would be amazing. But when we're talking about like the angel said, amen. But (laughs) if we're talking about what it truly means to be human and how Jesus, you know, gives us the depiction of what it truly means to be human, I don't know how much of the internet plays a part in what it truly means to be human. So if if that's the conversation that we're having, then I don't know the validity and I'm not a scientist. I'm not a psychologist. Like, I don't know. So, but all I know is I don't think the answer to the question is more online things. I'm not even saying that's the answer. I'm saying, why can't it be the answer? I, I, it can be part of the answer, but I don't think it's the answer. Mm. I don't, I, sure. It can play a portion of it. That story, um, from the, from the drill manufacturing company. I think is helpful. I, I would say that the the drill bits for the church are, you know, the ways that we do church, Sunday morning gatherings, small groups, uh, you know, even things like reading scripture and, um, you know, singing songs. And like, those are things that are the drill bits. And that doesn't mean that they're therefore not important. But the question is, what are they important for? Why do we do those things? Because whatever, whatever the answer to that question is, that's what the world really needs. Those are the holes, so to speak, that the world is actually looking for. That's why they're going to get the drill bits is because they need a hole in the piece of wood or whatever, because they got a job to do. And so that's the question is like, well, what is the purpose of the church, right? Why do we gather together on Sunday morning? Why do we sing songs? Why do we read scripture? Why do we, whatever, you know, whatever it is. And again, we do different things throughout time and space and different culture. Like we've done things differently, but what's the purpose behind it? What's the need, the, the need that we're meeting in the world. And I think that's, that's the practical application of ultimately everything for the church, whether you're talking about, you know, the question of fear and a courageous response in the midst of coronavirus, or whether you're talking about, you know, questions of postmodernity and, you know, shifting generations and their values around community and, and communication. The question is, what is the purpose of the church? What are we here to do? What are the, the needs that our world has that God has put the church here on earth to meet? Um, and I mean, I know, I, th- I would imagine that we all have very similar answers to that question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think ultimately most Christians have very similar answers to that question. The, 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 the problem is that we get so caught up in manufacturing drill bits that we are no longer helping people drill holes. I think yeah. that's to put that into. into so into, I, I, you know, fully, you know, bring the circle all the way around. We get yeah. so caught up in holding Sunday morning services or making sure that people are reading the Bible or making sure that people are singing songs that we're not actually helping people get connected to Christ and helping them mm. become more like Christ and helping mm. them to love their neighbors well. That's yeah. actually what is for see and so i agree with that and that's where i i guess like and 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 i'd love for us to kind of just like maybe we can start landing the plane we still got a little bit of time but we can start landing the plane here like so then how do we do that now like that's what i'm saying like i want us to project out and look you i'm not no one here knows right like exactly how it's going to happen i think we we can all if you're a, a, a bible believing uh follower of Jesus, right? They're all going to be around these two ideas, right? Loving God and loving others. Like that's where it's going to really come down to. But like, so like, then how do we, how do we do that? Because here's, here's the thing that I've noticed in, in, uh, uh, you know, my, my church life and, and studying about like past movements and stuff like that. Everybody always looks back and says like, man, that wasn't a great way to do it, but that's what God used at the time. Right? Like, so 
we even talk about the church growth movement, right? That happened. That that those guys were missionaries to the culture. Like a lot of people got saved, became disciples of Jesus. Those people more than likely moved from there and were part of that missional movement. Said like, okay, we want it smaller. Like God uses so many different things. So like, this is what I I don't want us to necessarily say like, um, maybe to get stuck in like, like we how we've done it wrong or whatever. Because I, I honestly don't think I. Like I'm always the person. Like I, I just don't think God is 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 uh, like sitting there. Like man, Jesus, did you see that? I did not see that coming. Oh my goodness! Like these guys, they really caught me off guard on that. Like, yeah. and and I am a strong believer that Jesus cares more about His church than we do, and so that means yeah. that it's going to be okay, right? Like that is that's where I stand. So how do we make sure we're on the same page? And but we're, we're and we're also using our time to think wisely about like what does it look like going forward? And I think that this is where these conversations really make sense. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I'm asking you guys, where do you where what do you see? Right, like what do you see? And and it could be as far out as whatever. Uh, and why do you see it? So I'm just gonna go around the horn, Micah, you first, then Steve, then David. And then this uh, is like a I'm ministry version of around the horn without points, but maybe we should introduce points. I am given points. I mean, this is, this is good. This is good. <laughs> this, this I want to be in the final round. No. So yeah, I, I think that's, I think this is, this is, I was out, man, I I've been so excited about this idea and thinking through this, especially over the last week. I think as, as we've kind of, um, you know, uh, it's been really chaotic over the last couple of weeks. I think as churches are kind of scrambling and figuring out, okay, what do we do? Um, you know, it's been it's been really, really chaotic. But I, I've started to kind of shift with like one eye still on that and another eye kind of looking, okay, what's the future look like? Like what, where, where are we going? God, what are you doing now in this, with the church? What are you doing with this culture? What are you doing in America? What are you doing with us at Home City Church? What are you, what are you doing? And trying to get my ears and eyes and eyes open. So I think what that looks like is, is um, you know, it's at, in the in the meantime, it's forced us online, right? So I'm sure you guys have thought through the similar. I know me and Elijah have had discussions, but we've, I'm sure each church has thought through these things with maybe not even realizing it. So like when we're figuring out, okay, how do we go digital? We're thinking through, okay, most of our people, um, where are most of our people? You know, our people, like we don't have a, a whole bunch of people that. Um, maybe our, 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 we have, we have a large segment that maybe aren't super comfortable on technology, right? So we're trying on easy access is the number one thing, easy access to the message, right? So then we're trying to find, okay, where are people located? What's the easiest for people to do? And that's where we came to, to Facebook. Most people in our congregation have Facebook interacted with us and each other on Facebook. And so we know that's a platform people are familiar with. It's easy access. Boom. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to start there. There's some people that don't have Facebook. So now how do we streamline? How do we make it easy for them? And that's where we went into email. So now they're getting sent a link of the message, even though they don't necessarily see it live. They're get, so we're thinking through how do we meet people based on the congregation that, that we have? I think um, with the, you know, like I, if we think, so I, I asked my, my wife out when we were dating, I asked my wife out over text right? Because it was, it was a long distance thing. When I told my uncle, who's a prior generation, he's like, how on earth could you do that? That's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, right? So like you're seeing that same discussion play out where with my generation, that's normal. A phone call or breaking up over a phone call or a text is normal. Asking out or, you know, so that's just shifting now to another platform where social media is just another doorway into connection, into conversation. But then those core elements are connection, relationship with God and with people, right? It's, that's always what, what it is. And so that will have to lend itself to it. So how do we use technology, the technology we have today as a doorway to lead to that? So maybe it looks like using technology in uh, leading people in, in, in um, a wider sense, streaming in a service, streaming in a preaching, but then into a house. So you still have that, that connection. Um, so you're able to reach using technology, the doorway is there, but then the follow through is still the same. It's, it's, it's relationship and, and connection. Okay. Steve, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I guess, I think that at the end of the day, the, the, the mission of the church is the formation of people, um, 
and discipleship would be the biblical word, right? Mm-hmm. And um, teaching people how to become the kind of people that God wants them to be. Um, and so that would be, you know, teaching people how to be in relationship with God, teaching people how to have a healthy soul, teaching people how to be in relationship with others. And I think that, um, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I almost took a rabbit trail, but I didn't, I stopped myself. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, right. So I think that's the mission. That's the, that's what we're here for. Um, and that doesn't change. And I think even the, the, the big, like the, the tools don't actually change either. Like the, the methods might change um, with culture and, and language and, and time and place, but really the tools are the Holy Spirit, the community of saints, the scriptures, right? Like, so we actually have to teach people, like, how do you interact with the spirit? How do you hear the spirit's voice? Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you read scripture and, and yeah. understand it? How do you interact with your brothers in Christ in ways that, you know, are, are both loving and kind and serving to them, but also formational for yourself? Like, and I, and I think that, you know, those, the answers to those questions are going to change in, in different ways in different places and times. But at the end of the day, that's just what the church is supposed to be doing. And so, you know, moving forward, it's like people who are quote unquote experts at interacting with the spirit and the scriptures and each other are going to take along people who are novices, quote unquote, and are going to teach them how, whether that's in one-on-one settings or group settings or online or at the park or in a church building, you know, and again, if that's in, you know, Swahili or English or, or, you know, Mandarin or some other language, or if that's, you know, like those aren't the things that ultimately matter. What matters is that we're doing those things and that they're actually being done. So that's my... I love that answer, Steve. And you definitely, you are just like did a Houdini trick with escaping from answering the question. And I appreciate how you did it, but I'm going to put your feet to the fire here. Because oh, I get, I get it. I, what you're saying is true. And I think it comes, what you said is those things which will never change, right? So that's, that's orthodoxy. That is what the church is. But I want you to use your imagination, right? And I want you to use the that uh like what do you see like if you could say and and it may not be right but uh, it, you may say like I, I don't like you know i mean like i don't know if this is exactly the way it happened but because i know you're somebody who studies culture and that's something that i really love about you and we have these conversations what do you see how, what do you see going forward and you may be if, if, if you're struggling with that saying like this is how i see us practically the church practically um um maybe serving uh, during or post this Corona thing, right? So Micah's saying that he he sees that is, we're going to get smaller, we're going to shrink, right? It's going to be on the individuals, uh, you know, what I'm saying groups, um, as opposed to maybe even the larger gathering of a of a, a local church body, but like smaller churches and houses and stuff like that. So what do you see? Yeah, I mean, so what I think makes sense to me in the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years is um i guess a lot like a lot of the trends that we're seeing that we might think of as like opposite i actually don't think that they're opposite i think they're complementary like you know the idea of like mega churches being a dying breed i don't necessarily know that that's the case the idea of like the house church being the way of the future like i think a lot of these things are like i don't think any of them are bad i think they're all useful i mean i like I love being with 10,000 people singing praise to Jesus. Like that's right. amazing. Like being in a room with 10,000 people praying together, like that's powerful, right? Yeah, but it is. So yeah. is like having, you know, a one-on-one conversation with somebody where it's like, hey, like I'm going to share some really gut-wrenching truths about my soul and you're going mm-hmm. yep. to ask God to come and minister to us. And like that. So like all, all of those things I think are, are good. And I, I think what I would say is that we're moving into a time, you know, unless, unless this really is the end of all things, we're moving into a time where technology is making information and connection available in ways that have never been before, before possible. Um, but I would agree with David that that isn't a substitute for human interaction, for face-to-face or person-to-person 
Um, you know, it's just not the same. But I think that it it also like it gives us the ability to leverage some things that that just weren't available to us 10, 20, 50, 100 years ago. And so what I think will happen is that we'll see both. We'll see like, I mean, it, well, so think of it this way. The marketplace, I want to be able to go to the store and touch the item I want to buy. And I want to be able to order it online and have it shipped to my house. I want both, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. that's kind of what we'll see happen with the church is that like whether, again, whether it's mega church or small local church and also like online tools and, you know, resources and curriculum and all, I think it's just going to be all of that. And yeah. Um, yeah. Cause can I, um, can I butt in real quick? Cause I just a real short is that that's so huge because you're seeing that play out with how people are responding. Now you're seeing people excited and, and connecting with people. Maybe they haven't connected with or experimenting with new stuff and seeing that, but you're also seeing people getting driven crazy because they need the tangible, like one-on-one, -on -one, like I need to be around a physical person, even though I can FaceTime with people, I need a physical person. So you're going to see, yeah, I, yeah, great. I think I, yeah, David, go ahead. And then I'm gonna land a plane. All right. All right. So, so Steve talked about 10, 20, 30 years. I want to talk about 40, 50, 60, 70 years from now, because this is where I think it's heading. And listen, I, I'll admit, I could be wrong. I could be totally off base. The prophet David, but, bring in the heat. Here it comes. But, <laughs> but I see, I see a, I see a universe with the, um, with like the exponential growth of technology that in 75, 100 years from now, the church's goal is going to be to get people offline to teach them how to be human. That's what I think the goal of the church is going to be in 75, 100 years. Like, so we're going to have to like detach from Big Brother and meet in groups where we're going to have to do life and life together that's 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 what the that's what it's going to be because there's you know people have other agendas and when you think like just take stuff in in China where they have the social uh, uh, rating system yeah, right nuts. that stuff yeah. is only going to increase and if you watch anything on Black Mirror where they you know pop this little thing on the side of their head and they're in a virtual reality like where do you think it's going to go in seventy five a hundred years it's going to be like, I don't need to go see anybody. I can just pop this thing on my head. I'm, I'm hooked up to some tubes, and I don't know how to be human anymore because I got this video game that I'm living in, right? So I think in 75 to 100 years, the goal of the church is going to get people to reconnect with their roots and, and uh, rediscover what it means to truly be human. That's what I think. I, I, I just want to put out there that I was not laughing with you. I was literally tracking with you. I just looked out at Steve, and Steve was like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just, this is my question. Is, how are you going to kill all of the AI nanobots? Like, <laughs> hey, man. Somebody, somebody's going to come from the future um, and is going to be like, you need to kill these things because they're going to take over the world. I yeah, I saw a documentary a about this. Yeah, Will, Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Smith did that. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, I want to land a plane on this and, and just also give my, my thoughts on it. I actually, so I think that we, I, I agree with you, Steve. I agree with everybody, but I, I, I agree with you, Steve, that I see that, um, that there's going to be need of both. I think human beings just, there, there's, I think one of the, the, the most interesting things to me, one of the most interesting statements in the Bible is Genesis, is in Genesis 2, I don't know where it's at. I don't know if it's like 18 or whatever, where God says it is not good for man to be alone, right? That is a, that's not just a, a, an observation that God is making or whatever. That is a theological like statement of like, this and this, there's, there's something that is missing. Like, you know what I mean? When, when, when human beings do not like, you know what I'm saying? Are not interacting with each other or, you know what I mean? Like, like we, I didn't, I did not. And, and what's interesting to me is that is the first time that God says actually, Something's, something's not, not good, good right and so like i think for me like yes um the thought that we would just like uh you know, go to our corners of the internet and just never meet anybody i just i don't think a world like that exists um ever um uh and i think david you're right if it ever gets there i think the church's job is going to have to be to drag them from their screens kicking and screaming right like i think that would be our biblical like mandate from God. 
But I, what I what I think what I see though coming that I think we haven't done yet is the, uh, and I think we've been talking about it for a while is is the sending of lead uh, 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 and the letting go of leadership. Right. I see uh, people stepping up in those smaller groups being developed, and I think that role. I think the the the, the shift is what if everyone now assumes the role of pastor as opposed to the few which is assumed in the role of pastor. And I think that's the thing which I'm, I, I'm, I'm starting to see, right? And, and, and not in like, just like the way that, that not, not just meaning like we're gonna stand and preach or whatever, but just that like, like there is this role of leadership that to, to uh, disciple, to send, to launch off, that almost that apostolic thing that you saw in the Bible of the laying on of hands and just saying like, now go and do your part. And I, 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 just, I just see that needed now more than never. I think that's the way the church is gonna move forward. And I think you're gonna see that. And I think the internet allows us to do that, right? Because, and it allows to say like, hey, that it isn't, I think where we're gonna have to figure out is, let me not just relegate, uh, you know what I'm saying, these gift set to this person, but I'm gonna have to develop it in myself. But also I, it gives me time to develop it. Like, I think that's what the internet is going to allow us to do, right? And so, anyways, that's, that's where I'm, I'm kind of thinking. That's my mind. How can I, how can I um, uh, develop frontline pastors in my church, right, to go and pastor in their houses, in their communities, right, and develop those guys and those gifts in those small spaces? I think that's where my mind is right now. But with all that being said, uh, like, I think there's definitely needs to be a part three to this conversation. I want to go ahead and say that we're going to ask Gail to be in this conversation because a lot of guys, which are talking, we need some yeah. like, wise women in this. So yeah. uh, we're going to try and see if we can get Gail on this next conversation. Um, yes. And so, um, and we're just all going to be quiet and just listen to her and just like break down truth. Uh, so, <laughs> so yes, with that being said, um, man, I, I am hopeful. I know that all of us are saying like, man, God is on the move, right? And he stands on the throne. So, uh, we'll see you guys next time on Resurgent Culture as we continue this conversation. God bless. God bless.